You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. So good. So we're so excited about loads of things that are going to happen this month. We've got Partners Night soon. If you've not been to Partners Night before, you're going to absolutely love it. As we've said so many times that people don't listen, it's not a place to find a partner. It's not something you can come to if you don't have a partner or you do have a partner. If you are part of church, that is for you to come to and elevate. You are very invited as well. You're going to love what happens there. We've, of course, got a vision offering later in the month as well and loads of other stuff happening. And our newspaper. Uh, which has got all sorts of exciting things in, including, spoiler alert, rise details in. That's right. We've got the dates and the speakers already confirmed. So we're so excited. And this whole series is about Be The Change. Now, here's the reality. We know the world needs a change. We know there is issues. We know that when we look online, then we see problems of the world. We know there are things about the world that are broken. We know that the governments maybe aren't perfect. We know that the NHS isn't perfect. We know that the mental health crisis right now. We know there's a loneliness crisis right now. We know there is a cost of living crisis right now. And when we talk about be the change, we're not just talking about us as a church. We're talking about you and I as individuals because we're called to be people who make a difference. So there's all this world stuff going on. And yesterday I went with my mum and Ben and Noah to see The Sound of Freedom. And if you ever need a reminder of how broken the world is, I'd encourage you to go and see that film where it talks about that God's children are not for sale because that's one of the biggest growing industries right now is trafficking of human beings. This is a broken world. It's a broken world, but the Bible says that where the darkness is, the light shines brighter. It's not a world that is lacking hope because we carry something into these broken places. We have a difference that we can make. And maybe you feel overwhelmed, maybe you feel like, oh, there's just so much to do. I want to encourage you through this next few weeks of listening to sermons to open your heart, to let those mindsets fall and actually be open to what God wants to say afresh. Because the world doesn't need more commentators. We've even noticed that everyone's an expert. Um, half of my Facebook could run the country better, according to themselves. Um, they could definitely run football things better. They definitely know how to sort the NHS out. They know how to sort all these things out. If they just listen to Bob that I went to school with 25 years ago, everything will be fine. But there's loads of commentating that happens. And, and there's stuff that we put on social media or we read or, or news out, outlets. But also, I don't know about you, but in my own head, I have a commentary. Because in my own head, I'm an expert on everything. I know a lot according to my own thoughts. I see things, I make decisions, snap judgments and have decisions made. And the other day, to my absolute shame, I had one of those moments where, have you ever been really glad that there's not like a TV screen like showing what you're actually thinking? Because you think I'm going to get cancelled if this happens. But basically, I was in a town in Darlington and I saw a man who... I made the assumption that he was probably homeless and he was basically pestering people and, and he was smoking and, and, and my guess was that he probably had had something to drink as well and he was going up to people in the town and kind of asking for something. And so I did the really Christian thing of thought, oh, I'll just cross over the road because <laughs> I'm on my own, don't really fancy this. And kind of went and sat in a coffee shop and prayed and then thought, oh, that's great, isn't it? That you're going to be preaching and you just made all these assumptions. And so I did what good Christians do, made a deal with God that felt like I'd get out of it quite easy, but tick a box in that I tried. 
And I said to God, okay, if he's still there when I leave the coffee shop, which is miles away from where he was, fine, I'll talk to him and see what he wants. And of course, I left the coffee shop an hour and a half later, panicking that my parking was running out. And uh, I don't enjoy paying parking fines. I enjoy the fact that Ben would get the letter rather than me, even less. And... Um, so I was like, I've got to go, I've got to go and get parking. And then he's there, and I'm like, oh, great. So I was like, okay, so Christian. Uh, I'm like, um, what, what do you need? And so he said, I need 40p. And I was like, oh, I don't have any cash, I'm sorry. I don't who carries cash nowadays. Um, so I was like, kind of walked off and started to get to near my car. And I felt so clear, the Holy Spirit said, go back and do that properly. And I was like, oh, you go back and do it, fine. So I was like, fine. So I was like, okay, what do you want 40p for? And he was like, because I've not had any food. So I was like, okay, I'll take you to Greg's. We'll get you a sausage roll. Now, Darlington has a Greg's every 10 footsteps, apart from where I was at that moment. And I was like, my car is here. The nearest Greg's is here. Great, okay. And I'm like bleeding with the Holy Spirit. Please let there be no traffic wardens around. If I'm doing this for you, it comes out the vision offering that I'm going to give. Because I feel like this is not what I want to do. Um, so I am start walking. And the guy walks really slow. And I'm like, my car is running out. This guy doesn't get it. So I'm walking. And then I suddenly think, oh, I'll walk slower and I just kind of walked even slower for me and I'm a slow walker and he was like oh uh, you don't have to walk with me and I was like what do you mean I'd have to walk with you so he said no one like you would want to be seen with someone like me don't worry you walk ahead and I'll stay behind and meet you at Greg's and suddenly it was like the Holy Spirit slapped me in the face and was like you thought this was about a sausage roll this is something much different and so praise the Lord I didn't get a parking ticket and I had a chat with this guy and talked to him about his life and I just it came to my um kind of realisation that no one had had a t- conversation with this guy because they'd assumed all this stuff that I'd absolutely assumed as well. And I thought as I was walking back to the car full of absolute, like, oh, what have I done? I'm reminded again of the sinful nature that we all have. I suddenly thought again, maybe if I had had his life, maybe this is how I'd been and there before the grace of God go I. And so easy we make decisions in our head. We make judgments about things. We, we see a situation and we assume I can't do anything about that. That's not my problem. I'm completely unable to fix anything about that. And I can do nothing in this situation. But the Bible says in Matthew 5, if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to it together. It's going to be on the screen as well. This is a scripture you're going to hear many times in the next um, few weeks. It's this, and you know it already. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except you're thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I don't think the world needs any more Christians who comment on stuff. Have you got any annoying Christian friends who are experts on everything? Yesterday in my Facebook feed, um, there was like a, a sponsored advert that came up for a new church plant in King's Cross, London. They've obviously done the marketing slightly wrong because I'm nowhere near there. And I just clicked on it and thought, oh, great, a new church. Do you know, the 27 negative comments from Christians on there. I was like getting raged. And so I was like commenting, this is great. The kingdom of God needs more church. Blah, blah, blah. But I just thought, Christians, stop commenting. We've got to be people who are action, not commenters. The world doesn't need to hear our thoughts. It needs to see our action. That's how people are going to praise our Father in heaven. We've got to do something. And the Bible doesn't say you've got to try and be salty. It says that you are the salt of the earth. It doesn't say you've got to try and have light. It says you are the light of the world. It's something that already happens. It's not like a to-do list, like kind of make the packed lunches, apparently with munch-bunch yogurts, tick. 
I do the washing, tick. Make sure homework's done, tick. Be the salt of the earth, tick. It's not like a job that we've got to do. It's not a pressure. It's a reality of what's already happening. And salt, when you buy it and put it in your cupboard, I don't think it's feeling insecure. I don't think salt's in there thinking, oh, look at the garlic salt next to me. That's more exciting than me. It's got garlic and salt. Or looking at paprika and thinking, oh, paprika, you spicy thing. Look at how exciting you are. I'm just salt and pepper. You know, you're, it's not judging pepper because it's not as cool as salt is. And who likes pepper? It's rubbish and all this. It just is. It's just salt. And when you light a lamp in your house, the light just shines. It doesn't feel insecure about how dark the darkness is. It doesn't have some sort of mental breakdown beforehand and think, well, it's very dark in this room. I'm not sure I've got it in me to turn on today. It just is. And if we follow Jesus, if we're doing the things that God calls us to, if we love God, then the salt and the light is there to shine out of us. It's the goodness and glory of God that's inside of us. All we have to do is shine and do something and make a difference. It's not a pressure. It's a statement that you are the light of the world. And the, the, the Bible says there that it doesn't lose its saltiness. And I googled, can salt lose saltiness? And this is what it said in, on Google, so it must be true. Salt may have absorbed humidity and eventually evaporated and leaves behind a substance that looks like salt, but does not taste or have the effect of salt. I don't want to be someone who looks like she's doing God's stuff, or looks like she's a light, or looks like she's salt to the earth. But actually, in reality, it just looks like it. And there's no saltiness anymore. There's no change. Salt changes things. If you have salt in your food or you don't have salt, you can taste a difference. Salt stops decay. Light changes darkness. It drives out darkness. We are created not to blend in and be the same. I have loved Academy this, this summer. It has been, honestly, the highlight of my summer, having Academy in on Thursdays. It's been very loud, because um, often they end up at my house afterwards. But there's been, I feel like I've lived with 16 teenagers this summer. And I've absolutely loved it. And one of the things that I've loved is that, that they're, they're different. That they are not the same as their friends. And you are not called to be the same as your friend. You are called to go into your school, into your workplaces, and be different. And bring change. And the thing is this, many of us, we become Christians. We find out that Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, loves us, has a plan for us, has a purpose for us. We get so on fire for God. We're like, I am going to make a difference in my world. And then life. Life happens. And the humidity and the stuff of life kind of sucks away our effectiveness. We start to be covered up because we get ill or we get offended or we get distracted or we get tired, or we've prayed prayers before and they haven't worked, and we start to limit our faith, limit our expectations. This summer, I um, went on holiday to the South Coast. I love England. I love the variety you can get, but I love the beach. So we had an apartment literally on the beach. It was so lovely. We had kind of dreamed about this, or I had dreamed about this for ages, because I was like, I just need the sea. Every now and then, you just need some sea. And I'm like, I have packed kind of uh, good coffee. My plan was every morning, I'm going to kind of get up, early-ish holiday, but you know, um, get a coffee, get a book, sit on the beach, kind of just enjoy, listen to the sound of the waves. I packed my Factor 50 because the skin burns. Uh, I, I packed shorts because I thought no one that I know is going to see me. My family, it's too late. The, their opinion's gone, but I'm just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bask in the sunshine. It's going to be so good. We're going to go to this castle. We're going to do all these things. And what I hadn't anticipated is that we took another friend with us on the holiday called Star Storm Anton. 
Uh, he came and destroyed some of my plans. This is a little bit of an excerpt, but, uh, excerpt of what happened when we were on holiday. Esther, if you could show it. Yeah, that's our holiday. Boys, now's your time. Come and set the thing up. <laughs> okay, this, that, that's nice and where we were. 65 mile hour gusts. Excellent. Uh, cancellations and delays. That's just near where we were staying. That was how our beach was. Uh, yeah, a yellow weather warning. That's what you want on your holiday, isn't it? A yellow weather warning, which is danger to life, was everything. All of my weather app, excellent. Uh, yeah, we were there then. Excellent. Thanks, Esther. Yeah, fun. Look at that. Lovely. Um, okay, you can pause that. Brilliant. Um, so we had this kind of weather one, and it was completely different to what I expected. And I hadn't packed raincoats. I hadn't packed kind of umbrellas because we were going on a summer holiday. And it's sunny in the south, they lie. Um, you're right, boys. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Thank you. Um, uh, they lie. The, the south was not sunny. It was stormy. Uh, and kind of, we had this day when Noah and I um, went to Eastbourne with Ben. And, and there's this like bizarre shop that's a bookshop that's like from the 1900s, I think. And there's like every book you could ever imagine, but not organized. It's not like a Waterstones. It is not. Uh, it's like kind of floor to ceiling with books, many of them very old, the second hand. There's a parrot, a live parrot that flies around this three-story thing. Of, of the, It was just like something that I'm not sure health and If a fire went in that place... There is no hope. Um, so we'd been, Noah and I had been in there for maybe 15 minutes, and we're like, okay, this is a lot now. And, and Ben was just getting started. So I was like, let's go for a walk. We'll find a seaside. I've got Google Maps. And as we start to walk, the storm started. And I'm like, oh, my word, we have not got coats. I am not prepared in this way. And so by the time we get to the sea, my hair is like plastered to my face. I can barely breathe. Noah's like, I can see the sea, <laughs> kind of. It was just gray everywhere. And I found a lady who looked like she knew what she was doing there. And I was like, where is the coffee? And she was like, there's a really bad coffee place just 10 meters down the road. So I'm like, okay, let's go there. And it was just, I sat there eating, drinking very mediocre coffee and eating a scone that had definitely been out for a few days thinking, well, this is not quite the summer holiday I was expecting. Um, and as we were driving on to our next place in London, which actually was sunny, we always kind of like to do a bit of a review with the kids and say, you know, what was your favorite thing on holiday? And you know, it was really interesting how they saw it. They talked about how it was much better than they expected because the waves were massive. They were like the size of a house and it was far more exciting that you might almost die on the beach with the waves rather than just boring ones, you know, when it's been sunny. And they talked about how, you know, when, around, when they walked into town, how funny it was that you could put your coat up and almost fly like you were taking off because it's so windy. And how it was dead exciting every day because the weather had been so ridiculous. The sky was different and how the pictures are prettier because there was like red, it was beautiful skies. There was rainbows every day and red skies and all this stuff. And one night when Noah and I couldn't sleep, we sat up and watched a storm on the sea. We talked about how cool that was. And then Noah said, and I loved that day when we got caught in the storm. I'm like, did you? <laughs> my memories are different and, um, and he was like yeah it was like an adventure and suddenly it dawned on me that we were in the same circumstance but we changed our perspective and so often what happens is we allow our light to be dimmed we allow our saltiness to decrease because of circumstance but what if we realized that actually circumstances are not really an excuse for us to limit how God is going to move 
Because God can move and will move and does move and can use us in every single season. We've got to change our perspective on things. I loved hearing the boys talk about our holiday because it wasn't the same as me. I was like, well, it was cold every single day and I had to go and get jumpers and stuff like that because I was freezing. I had to go to Primark and buy warm clothes because I was on holiday. But they were like, but it was so cool. We almost died when we were bodyboarding because it was so rough. And I'm like, yeah, my version of that moment wasn't quite the same. but it's just perspective. They, they saw storm as an opportunity. I saw it as a problem. And I want to talk about this, uh, this phrase that we hear people say sometimes, where they, when you say to people, how are you? And they say this great line, I'm okay under the circumstance. I'm okay under the circumstance. Now, here's the truth. Some of us are living in difficult circumstances. Some of us are really struggling right now, and and I'm not in any way minimizing circumstances that you are living in. But we are not called to live under circumstances. Romans 8 says this. um, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? And then it kind of goes on. The last part of that says, we, in all things... In all things, in verse 37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels or demons, past or present or future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are not called to live under circumstances. We are called to live above circumstances in the kingdom. Not defined by stuff, not defined by seasons, but living and thriving in the midst of everything. I want to talk about two men who experienced some difficult circumstances this morning, and you'll, you'll have definitely heard of them before. They each had their own stuff going on, their own journeys, their own problems, their own things. The first one is called Moses. And Moses was a man who had a past. He had a lot of past. He had, was born at a time when slavery was rife, when his people were being held captive, when his mum wasn't allowed to keep um, babies. And so she gave the baby away. And there was a whole story. And I haven't got time to go into every detail of what happened. But Moses grew up with identity crisis. Who is he? Where does he fit? Is he a slave? Is he a king? What is he? He saw horrific things happening and made a choice, a judgment. Have you ever made a decision and realized that was a very wrong thing? He uh, embodies that. Uh, he killed someone, then ran away. I mean, his past is pretty dark. And the truth is, we all have pasts. Some of us have a pretty happy past. Many of us would say they have a past that's that's mostly good, but has moments of sadness or sickness or loss in some way or rejection. Some of us would say, if they're honest, their past, especially recently, has been very dark and difficult. And God is not uncaring about your past. He is not a distant God. He's not a God who doesn't care and just thinks we'll get on with it. He's not a God who minimizes pain ever. God is a God who was there in that situation. He was there holding your hand. He's there right now. There's not a day that happens or will happen that God isn't in. So he's not discounting your past just like he wasn't for Moses. He was there. But the past can become one of two things. It can become an anchor. It can lock you in or it can become a platform actually for God to do something amazing. And at some point in Moses' life, after some convincing from a burning bush, he decided, actually, my past is not going to define me anymore because I'm going to go and set the people free like God has called me to. And so he tried really hard to leave his past of slavery and, and suffering behind uh, and started to do what God had called him to do. Many of us have a past. And what we think happens is that, in fact, all of us have a past. And what we think that means is that we are completely stuck to that. We can't get out of it. It's all God sees when he looks at you. When in fact, God says, you are a new creation. The old has gone. 
And yet sometimes it's like every time we pray, we remind him. Yeah, but that thing that I did six months ago. Yeah, but that thing that I said, that thing that I looked at. And God's like, hey, the old has gone. When, you, when, you forget, when you've said sorry, when you've repented, the old has gone and the new has come. But we keep reminding of God. It needs to become a platform, not an anchor. So Moses sets people free and there's this incredible um, time of plagues and, and weirdness that happens. And then they're free. And then the next thing that happens is Moses encounters problems. Have you ever trusted God before and then everything's gone wrong? I mean, some of us know it's going to happen, but still we're surprised, aren't we? He's like, we think that the enemy's going to be fine with all this sort of giving and stepping out. I mean, how many times have you decided, I'm going to serve, I'm going to join the kids team, I'm going to join the welcome team, and then you get ill. You're like, oh, don't see this coming. Well, maybe I need a break. Maybe, I need, maybe I'm doing too much and we start to step back. Or, or how many times have we decided, I'm going to give, sacrificing the vision offering every single time our car breaks this time I thought we've escaped it, we've got a lease car, it's covered, and then we had an unexpected, you need to have a service. And I'm like, no, every time we step out, take a step in some way, trust God a little bit more, have some freedom, have a healing, and then suddenly, it's like a problem comes. Moses had got the Israelites out of Egypt. He thought that the, the, the difficult thing was over, and then, see. And then he gets through the sea and then, oh, okay, they're burning now because they're walking through a desert and, the, and it's hot. And, and then there's fire and then the, there's, there's darkness and then there's no food and they don't know how to find their own food because they've only ever been slaves before. And then the, there's all this stuff that happens. But Moses learned to see that even in problems, God is still God. God is still good. He has the victory. A problem is not evidence of an absence of God. A problem is a platform that God can do something on. Sometimes the problems are just to distract us. So often we just think the problem is going to define us, but it's just a distraction. We've got to change our perspective. This is not it. I had this revolution, realization, yeah, that's the word. Um, caught Richard's uh, disease of not being able to speak. Um, we had this realization last night as I was finishing preparing this message and just thinking suddenly, every problem I've ever had before, the ones that I lost sleep over, the ones that I thought were never going to get better, I've overcome them because I'm still alive. There's moments that I'm, I remember as a teenager thinking, this, this is thing, this GCSE result, this thing is going to define me forever. And yet here I am years later, I don't even think about them anymore. Most of the problems that you're facing right now in 10 years time, you won't even remember having an issue. In fact, some of them even tomorrow you won't remember having an issue with. And yet sometimes we, we magnify them so huge in our head, we think they define us so we get stuck. But Moses started to see the hand of God moving in the midst of his problem. He parted the sea. He brought cloud to cover them in the desert. He brought fire at night. He gave them food and shoes and all these incredible things. He turned up in the problem. Just because you face a problem, do not quit. That's not the end. Sometimes it's the start because we have an enemy and some of our battles are not flesh and blood, but they are powers and principalities. And you've got to know that as you take a step, the enemy starts to see something. And sometimes what we're facing isn't anything to do with natural. Sometimes it's spiritual. And I love that we have a church who are praying. I love that yesterday there was 25 hours of prayer in the upper room. And when I came out of my 11 till midnight prayer time, it was, th it was th uh, two thirds of the room were under 24 years old. May we always have teenagers and young adults who are desperately praying. There's no hype up there. There was quiet music, there was prayer stations. It was incredible. The presence of God was tangible. I love that Shannon, where are you Shannon? Is 15 and prayed six hours in the night last night. 
uh, nothing like a teenager to make you feeling, you know, it, <laughs> uh, how amazing is that? And Noah did about four hours and various young adults did three or four hours in the night. And some of the older adults also did many hours in the night. Some of them are on kids team and were up three or four hours in the night doing, uh, praying last night. Maybe we always have a, a church that are ready for that. But also we've got to know there's another side to this. There's a darkness that will try and stop in the midst of problems. But Moses learned to overcome. Then there's people. Have you ever thought how easy life would be if there was no people? If it was just you and Jesus, how easy would that be? And Moses had some people. And those people had issues. And those people liked to share their issues with Moses. And they told them all the things that Moses was doing wrong. They criticized him. They told him that they preferred being back in the old place because at least they got food there. It wasn't just the same food all the time. They wished back to the, the good old days when it wasn't that they had to walk anywhere. I mean, they were slaves and the kids were being killed, but at least they didn't have to walk. That's kind of the sort of nonsense that they were saying. And, and Moses became exhausted. Moses started to limit his expectation. And then what happened next is one of the saddest things I think I read in the Bible. Because Moses had a promise. But because of the people, he stopped entering his promise. And when you read the story of Moses, you realize that they wandered for 40 years because Moses just gave up. He settled. He gave in to the pressure that people applied. You are always going to have people who do not get you. Young people, you're always going to have people who are not understanding you, who are saying, you know, you're going to that church too much, or, or, or you're giving too much, or you're serving too much, or, or less young people. There's always going to be people who are wanting to tell you their opinions on what should and shouldn't happen. We have a choice. How are we defined by these things? And then there's Joshua. See, Joshua had a past too. Joshua also grew up in slavery. His grandparents and their grandparents and their grandparents had also been slaves. As a little boy, he'd probably watch his fathers build the pyramids and, and be horrendously tortured. The average life expectancy of a, a, an Egyptian slave was something like 32 years old because they died from exhaustion and heat stroke and all these horrendous things. It was awful what he'd seen. He would probably have needed years and years of CBT therapy to kind of undo what he'd seen and lived through. And yet Joshua decided... This is not an anchor. This is a platform for God to move. And then he had problems. You see, he'd lived through Moses' leadership. And then at some point, at some point, Moses died. And God said to him, okay, now it's you. And when you read the book of Joshua, you see that Joshua is not a man who was chasing it. He was not a pick-me person. He wasn't like, I want to be the next one. I want to, because he'd seen all the stuff that Moses had gone through. You know, I sometimes meet people who say, you know, I want to be the next Glenn Barrett. I want to be the... And I'm like, do you know the cost? Like, I know a little bit of the stuff that Glenn's gone through that, you know, some of you will, will know some of the story that recently he lost eyesight in one of his eyes. When you talk to him, when you, you hear the story, that happened because of a buildup of pressure, not physical, but, it, but emotional pressure. One of the reasons that that happens is it's, it's almost like you lose sight in your eye because the buildup of brain fluid and, and the pressure. And often it's a result of burnout and all that sort of stuff. It's horrendous. And he said, I remember the moment it happened where I just thought my body's just quit because I've had too much stress. And had to relook at things. Sometimes we have these aspirational ideas. Oh, I want to be this person. But there's a cost involved. And Joshua saw and counted the cost of what happened with Moses. But he realized also that the same God that was with Moses was with him. And yeah, there was no problems. But also there was purpose in every problem. And there was victory in every problem. 
and Joshua faced Jericho and faced the, the, sea, the water they had to cross and, and faced all these different things. And yet he trusted that God, who was the God of Moses, was the God of him as well. And then there was people. Joshua had his more than his fair share of issues with people. You see, one of the things that Moses did before he kind of lost everything was in Numbers 13. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to it. Numbers 13, um, Moses decides to send spies to check if the promised land is as good as they said it is. And so he sends out a few spies, including Joshua and Caleb. And they go out and they come back and say this report of what they'd seen. Numbers 13, verse 28 says this. The people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. This is the report they get. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live there and the Negev and Hittites and Jebusites and Amorites. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land. We can certainly do it. But the men who'd gone up said, we can't attack those people because they're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report of the land they explored. This is the people going out to check the promised land, the promise that God had told Moses. And they come back and 10 of the 12 spread a negative report. Have you ever met those people? That they just spread a negative report. Yeah, the price time was good, but I mean, I, I, don't, I didn't really like the music that was on. It was not really my style. Or yeah, the price time was good, but I mean, it wasn't many people at 4 a.m. when I was there. And they just come back with a negative report. Let's not be negative people who kind of point out the issues. What they're doing is they're using their imagination and they're talking about things that haven't even happened. That's what worry is. It's what fear is. It's a misuse of our imagination. They're creating. We can't attack them. They have no idea. They've never tried. They start to say we look like grasshoppers to them. They don't know. They're just creating scenarios that aren't true. And often in our own minds, that's exactly what we do. We create scenarios of, if I do this, it's going to lead to X, Y, and Z. And often that's not the case. If I step out, it's going to cause this to happen. If I do this, it's going to mean this is the cost. And yet we don't know. But Joshua was not determined and influenced by the people. He saw something different. And out of the whole Israelite community, only him and Caleb entered the promised land. The rest of them wandered for 40 years because they were so heavily influenced by the negative report. And some of us are so defined by what people have said or circumstances have had, said or problems have had, that we've started to limit our expectation of God. And then Joshua entered the promise. We read about that he enters Canaan with his family and incredible things start to happen and they get to live in the promise that God has given us. I don't want to get to the end of my life and, and kind of just hear about stuff that God's doing. I want to be part of what God is doing. I want to be part of a God who is moving in young people's life. I, I believe that we're seeing that already, that some of the stuff that we prayed for and believed for for a long time is starting to happen. I know that a lot of the Elevate guys are praying for revivals to happen in their schools this year and why not? Why can't that happen? If God can do it before, if God can do it in other nations, why can't he do it here? Why can't a church in a town of 10,000 people be filled to the rafters? Why can't we have salvations on a weekly day? Why can't we? Because this is the stuff that God's promised us of. Why can't we live in a place that is not lack and determined by finances, but by, determined by a generosity of spirit? Why can't God move? If he is who he says he is, then he can do all things. And some of us have to realize that God is speaking a new word. Joshua 1, this is what God says to him. He says in verse 3, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will expand from the desert to the great Euphrates and the little country in the Mediterranean sea in the west. Interesting that, isn't it? That verse was one I was given completely randomly by a lady in South Africa as we were driving to Workington to start planting church, the sea in the west. God knows these things, doesn't he? 
And as I was with Moses, so I am with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people and inherit the land I swore to ancestors. Be strong and very courageous. Promises often require a bit of strength and courage. Often it's not a breakthrough that you get from just sitting down. It's often a breakthrough where the actual understanding of breakthrough is you have to break through. Band, if you want to come to the stage. I was thinking as I was preparing this about the moment on an aeroplane that I absolutely love when you, I don't love flying, but I do like this bit where you, especially when you take off in, in bad weather and, and right now I think Helen and Liam are flying to Malta and they've left grey Manchester and then you get to this moment where you get above the clouds and suddenly it's sunny. There's a picture going to come up of this sunshine. That's not my picture, it's a Google one, but you get that idea that there's a moment that happens where you kind of leave the rainy Manchester and you enter above the clouds and it's sunny. It's always sunny up there or dark because sometimes it's nighttime, but it's always nice up there. And I feel like what God's trying to say to us as a church is we've got to learn to live above the circumstances and live in the kingdom where things are different. Yes, there's rain. It doesn't mean the rain's not happened. It doesn't mean Manchester's not still grey. But actually we live in a place that is above what the circumstances would dictate. We've got to live and lift our faith and live differently. Because what Joshua didn't realise at that point was that in the promise there was also provision and breakthrough for other people. It's not just about you. You see, Joshua had to give prom- be in the promise for his own family. His own family were in this place. But also, in the city is Rahab. And I love Rahab's story. And I read a book about her recently that just made me love her even more. And just really quickly, Rahab's story is that she was a woman who had issues. She's a woman that the Bible says uh, was a prostitute. She was caught up in prostitution. And, and the more I've read about her um, and the background to her story, the more blown away I am. This is a woman who did not want to be in that situation. She was stuck. She was broken. She was hurting. I believe she was crying out for change because she was looking for it. She was wanting someone to come and bring about the change. Someone to bring about the change. Someone to do something that would be different. And Joshua's on the other side of that. He doesn't have any idea about who she is. He'd never heard her name before. But Joshua was waiting and and dealing with Jericho and thinking, how am I going to overcome this? This is walls. This is city. This is armies. We're not trained fighters. We're slaves. We're we're children of slaves. We have no place. We have no idea how this is going to happen. And he's not having any idea that right in that city is Rahab. In the city is Rahab. In the city is someone waiting and praying. And I wonder if there's people in our lives, in our school, in our workplace, in our families, who are waiting for change, who are praying and crying out for change, who are asking for someone to tell them something, who are so lost and so hopeless and so broken that they're waiting for someone to come. And what we know about Rahab, what we know about Rahab is that she is broken, but she's a woman with purpose and promise. Because in her womb is the potential for the saviour. See, 26 generations later, she's mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. She's mentioned as the great, 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 26 times grandmother of Jesus. Everyone else just saw her as a problem. Everyone else saw her as an issue. Everyone else saw her as broken. And yet Jesus and God saw her as this person of promise. 
And so many people that we look at in our lives, we just discount them and we think they can't possibly do anything. They'll, they'll never get saved. My husband's never come to church. I can never get free of this sickness. I can never be healed. I can never give. I can never be free of debt. I can never do all these things. We decide in our life that the problem is it and we get stuck here. Yeah, we've maybe broken three of our past. We've maybe let go of that, but we're stuck in problem. We're stuck in this. Or people, the voices come back, the, the insecurities come back, the memories of stuff that people have said. And they've said, you're not that type of person. You, you're not that. You're too old. You're too young. You're too this. You're too that. And we get stuck here. But in the promise, there's people. In the promises, Rahab's, you don't know who's waiting for you to say something. You don't know who needs you. There are people who are crying out in your world right now who need someone to say, hey, there's hope. Hey, that loneliness that you feel, this doesn't have to define you. Hey, there's change that can come. We've got to be people who are ready to push through into promise and be the change. And it starts with us making a decision that we're going to believe God again. I believe some of us have entered this season burnt out and tired. We're like the Israelites. We've wandered for, it seems like, 40 years. And we just feel like we've prayed before and it's not happened. We've asked God before for my husband to get saved. It's not happened. We've given before. We've not seen breakthrough. We've asked for a baby before. And it's not happened. We've prayed for healing before and yet we're still sick. And so what's happened is we've lost our saltiness. We've dimmed our lights. We've stopped believing and asking because actually... We're stuck at the problem. This is our defining thing now. And we feel stuck like the Israelites and we're walking around it all the time. But what if we learn to live above circumstance? Not under circumstance, but above circumstance and live in the promise. And that takes a push and it takes a new level of belief and understanding and expectation. And I wonder in this place, there's people who know that although they've kept coming, they know in their heart, I've just started to limit my expectation. The best I've hoped for in the morning is God give me a good day. I've prayed parking space prayers, but in my head, I've commentated about how that person's never going to become a Christian. That change is never going to happen. And I've allowed my own narration to dictate my faith rather than my faith to dictate my faith. I've allowed circumstances to dictate my giving. I've allowed circumstances to dictate my, my faith and my expectation and my invitation. I've settled. Let's pray in this place before we worship again. Father God, we thank you that you are the God of more. You're the God of promise. You're the God who doesn't stop. You're the God of Jacob and Moses. You're the God of Joshua. You're the God who sees promise when it feels like there should be no promise. God, you see, you're the God who sees past problems. He sees past our past, our insecurities, our things. And God, you see more. Father God, we pray right now, would you open the eyes of people who are limited by problems, limited by sickness, limited by their circumstances right now. Help us have a, a bigger perspective, an eternal perspective to see that there is more in the kingdom. God, we don't want to be people who hide our light. We want to shine and change. And God, we thank you that in every world, there are Rahabs who are desperate for a change. Maybe for us, it's not someone with a story as dramatic as Rahab, but it's, it's a person who's in our family. He's going to bed every night thinking, is this it? Is this all life is? Maybe it's someone in our school who is desperately saying, God, if you're there, will you reveal yourself? Maybe it's our brother or sister who we haven't really spoken to for a long time, but we know they need Jesus and we've stopped praying for them. We've limited our prayers because it hurts when they don't say yes. 
It's time to rise again. It's time to be the change, to step out and believe again. It starts with a shift of perspective. We stop seeing the problems and the negativity and we start seeing the potential of what would it look like when God does move? Not if, but when God moves. What would it look like when God does change things? What would it look like when this person is saved? What would it look like when I am healed? We need to stop living in circumstance, under circumstance, and live above circumstance and in the promise that God's given us. What we're going to do is we're going to sing this song again. And um, it's a great song. It was a song I sang many times on holiday because it felt like wind blew and rain came. That's my story of my holiday. But I love the truth in this, that this happened, but I'm going to keep trusting you. I'm going to keep trusting you. This is a, a song of faith. It's a declaration of faith. And if you know, that this is relevant to you, that you know you've stopped trusting, you've stopped believing, you've stopped even asking. Now I want to encourage you to start this vision month before we do the other weeks and before we look at more to just come as a response to the front of, of church. We're not going to ask the prayer team to come right now. They're going to be able to pray with you after the service over here. But right now, if you know, I need to, I have limited my expectation of God. I've downsized my vision. I've started settling and accepting. Moses just accepted what the report was. Ten people said it was bad, so it must be bad. And yet God had promised him something. Some of us have given up on promises because it looks bad. But he is the God of promise and breakthrough. So let's stand across this place. Let's stand. And if you know that you need to respond to this, there's something significant that happens when we make a move. It's a sign between you and God. Say, so yeah, I identify this. I want you to come forward. And, and I know for some of you that's really not normal because you've got to move. But it's a sign between you and God. Say, so yeah, I'm declaring right now. I am going to allow God to shape my perspective. I'm not going to be hindered by problems or people or my past anymore. I'm going to push through for the promise. I'm going to believe for the promise because on the other side of promise, there is breakthrough for other people. You are not just doing this for yourself. The world says it's about you and yourself, but it's not. It's about your kids, your kids' kids, your families, your neighbours, your friends. You've got to push through sometimes and keep holding on. Come on, those of us who've started to limit our expectation, we're going to come forward and believe that God can and will change circumstances. Let's worship together. And those of us who want to respond, come forward. Let's start to worship. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.